Welcome. You have found us. This is the Riot Underground. This is where we come to learn from the disruptors and instigators that are changing the world with new technologies. Excited to introduce Todd Lewis to you today. Todd is the founder of All Things Open. Welcome to the studio, Todd. Thank you. Thank you very much. We're, we're glad to have you. I have known you now for a very long time and, and collaborated quite a bit uh, around uh, your events, your programs, kind of your welcoming uh, activities across the tech sector very broadly. For those that are not familiar with All Things Open, do you mind just sharing a little bit about the organization? Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, so All Things Open, uh, we focus on open source, really, you know, the open source, open tech, and the open web. We've done that for about a decade now, for about 10 years. Uh, we believe that, you know, moving forward, uh, a primary driver of innovation, of technology, is going to be open source, right? It's that open source approach to software and to technology in general. So that's really what the organization focus on, focuses on at a very high level. Uh, we uh, host events, we host meetups and conferences and things like that. And we're probably most well known for the All Things Open Conference, which is the large event that we do every fall in downtown Raleigh. It is my favorite conference to come to. I'm not saying that just because you're on the uh... The show or because I can walk there easily from where I live, but uh, it, it it is a fantastic event. 10 years, uh, we'll get to that in a moment. I want to hear a little bit of your perspective over the years. That's a long time. You're young. You have a lot of energy. I see this going far into the future. One day, there's probably going to be a movie about, uh, about all things open and, and the journey and the impact. If you got to cast yourself in that future movie, uh, who would play you? We'd like to give our our listeners a little bit of a visual. It's funny. Um, so I'm going to give you an answer. I'm not sure. I, well, I, I I don't know how many people are even going to know who I'm referring to here, but look it up. Uh, and if you do, it'll uh, probably bring a smile to your face. Anyway, um, might sound like an obscure answer, but I would say, um, I, I, I guess the person that first comes to mind would be Guy Pierce. Yeah. Guy Pierce. Um, he's in a... I, He's an actor. Um, he's, you know, I kind of discovered Guy Pierce when uh, there's an older movie. I'm going to show my age here, tell my age here. There was a movie called Memento. Memento. Uh, really, really cool movie. If you, if you, if you want to be entertained for an hour and a half um, or so, I would encourage anyone listening to watch the movie. But Guy Pierce, um, when that movie came out, I had so many people come up to me and say, oh my God, are you in a movie, Todd? Are you? this guy looks just like you. And I was like, you know, at the time, I'll be honest, I had no idea what people were talking about, but I went and I looked it up and I looked at the cover of the movie or the promotional poster. And Tom, I have to be honest, it was one of the first times in my life I thought I was looking at my doppelganger, you know, like the person that looks very much like me. And um, I was even... I was even on a movie set once. I I was like, you know, I, I don't know. I was an extra in a movie and, you know, and and even on the set of the movie, and this was a movie that had some pretty well-known people in it. Um, they, uh, we we had a contest and, our, you know, a lookalike, does anyone here look like a movie star, you know? And everyone on the set overwhelmingly voted got me and Guy Pierce is like, this guy looks just like Guy Pierce. Guy Pierce, you know, these two people look exactly the same. So obviously the Guy Pierce is a movie star, far more handsome, you know, he's a movie star, right? I'm not. 
so obviously looks way, way better than I do in all, you know, in all the qualities that you look for in a movie star. But I would say that, uh, you know, if, if, if you're choosing someone that sort of looks like me and has some experience and could do a good job, I, I would say Guy Pierce. That's a long answer to a short question, but uh, there's a little more that went into that one than... <laughs> That's great, yeah. Todd. I, I love it. You are our first Guy Pierce that we've had on the show, so uh, congratulations for that. And that movie, I, I won't uh, give a spoiler, but that movie has a really incredible twist uh, as you get to the end of it. I definitely recommend Memento. It was a pr pretty cool flick. Great, great um, movie. So let's th 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 stay with the movie theme. All Things Open, uh, the last conference I was at was the 10-year anniversary uh, and, and a decade of open source uh, community building progress in a lot of different areas. Yeah, you know, let, let's think about that as you know the the first movie. There will be another sequel ten years from now, perhaps. But what what's the the overriding theme that you've seen or story arc that you've seen over those first ten years of organizing the open source community? Um, well, there are several, but I think um, you know I've been doing this you know. My experience and and my engagement with open source preceded all things open by probably five years, right? I've been doing this for a solid fifteen years, at least, maybe even more. Um, and we were hosting other events before all things open. So I guess what I'm getting to is I can remember when open source was not an oddity, but more of a curiosity. Um, people, you know, the overwhelming belief was uh, or the prevailing belief, better stated, was that um, open source was not something that could be utilized or implemented on the production side within infrastructures at work, right? It wasn't something that could be used to get real work done. It was more of something that you would do in your spare time, uh, more on, you know, uh, uh, a hobbyist basis, uh, but not something that you would, someone would pay you to do. We, we can't trust open source. You know, there are security issues who's, you know, uh, who's actually responsible for security, all that, you know, who's going to support this stuff. So, you know, that was the prevailing belief all those years ago. So over the, the arc of the event, we've seen that come full circle and it's really incredible. So, you know, in the beginning, people were like, mm, sort of a curiosity. I use Linux. I might use the content management. I might use WordPress or Drupal, or I might use MySQL, or I might, use, you know, some open source component or technology, but mm, a conference or, you know, releasing that or utilizing that in production in a work environment, probably not. So when we came onto the scene and did a conference um, and hosted a conference, which was all things open that focused on open source and the enterprise, really open source within a production enterprise environment. I will tell you in the beginning, a lot of people were like, hmm, you know, hmm, not quite sure, you know. So people were curious. They were, you know, okay, I want to learn more. Let's fast forward 10 years at the event this year, a foregone conclusion. That's the way business is done. That's the way technology, modern technology environments operate. Uh, open source is at the core. It's at the center. It often is driving the innovation. It's utilized. It's leveraged by companies very consistently now. So I think that would really be the overarching theme was just how far it's come in the 10 years of the All Things Open conference. And then even before that, going back and, you know, five years prior to that, when we really first got started into this, uh, that difference is rather incredible. It's really been an amazing thing to watch. 
And I think all that kind of came full circle this uh, past October. You're 100% right that there, there is not any product out there today, certainly not from all the big tech brands that people are familiar with, that are, is not fundamentally built on open source. You know, it has become the tool for industry um, uh, across, you know, all different layers of, of the software kind of solution stack. Absolutely phenomenal. I think a lot of, of credit goes to, you know, organizers like yourself that help build that trust in the enterprise community, back to the open source community. I am interested because we're starting to more and more frequently hear stories about how the biggest of tech is, you know, making massive profits off the backs of the open source movement. And then you hear about, you know, a few people maintaining the code that can barely put food on the table. You know, are we going to see a full circle in terms of the financial give back from big tech to support these open source communities? Ooh, that's a, that's a good question. Um, I, I think you already see it happening, right? I, I think in maybe the early days, um, there was not the recognition that, you know, a lot of the tech that the world relies on is maintained in some cases by only a few people. Um, you know, and I think, you know, Heartbleed, if you remember, you know, that came up a number of years ago. I think that was, that's just one example, but I think that was a major eye-opening experience for so many people. I think there were two people that were maintaining Heartbleed, if I remember, two, two yeah. uh, people, two, two individuals, two humans that were maintaining that. So um, I think that you've seen also a rise in foundations. You know, I think a lot of foundations, the Linux Foundation, the Apache Software Foundation, and then other foundations have kind of popped up. Um, you know, Finos in the financial services industry is a newer one that's kind of popped up that's now doing a lot of their work with the Linux Foundation in partnership with the Linux Foundation. I think foundations have kind of, um, you know, kind of come onto the scene and have grown and to kind of fill that gap as well. So I, I, I think you see a lot of companies supporting a lot of these foundations and the foundations are then doing a lot of the maintenance, they're doing a lot of the hosting, they're doing a lot of the support around a lot of these solutions and a lot of these things that, um, you know, people use and utilize and that people are using inside their infrastructures and in their stacks and things like that. So um, I do see companies supporting it more. Um, and then I see, again, the role of foundations increasing on a very consistent basis. Um, I will say too that, um, you know, there are a lot of people trying to figure this out right now, right? Like, how do we pay open source maintainers? money? You know, how do we financially uh, incentivize people uh, to actually do this, to, to, to do this work? GitHub has been kind of a trailblazer in this area. They now, you know, have, have, have uh, sort of come up with a way to financially incentivize people to uh, serve as a maintainer or to get engaged. And then other companies and other organizations are doing very much the same thing. I've seen a lot of different models. Um, even now with Web3, there are some Web3 models that have kind of come onto the scene um, and, and, and been created to address this problem too. So, you know, not saying the perfect solution has been created uh, or, you know, is, is out there, but I do think it's being addressed far more actively now and more proactively than it ever has been. So I think that there's definitely the recognition that, hey, this is an issue and that this is something we need to be mindful of and that we really need to be addressing this. Yeah, I appreciate that perspective. And, and while, in some cases, you know, those maintainer populations are relatively small. The open source community is massive. And one of the things that I've always admired about All Things Open is the focus uh, that you've had on inclusion and on making people feel welcome to, to the stage even of being the only conference organizer I'm aware of 
that puts a really high priority on first-time speakers. Um, talk, talk a little bit about your philosophy there and, and kind of what that means and what it what it has meant in the community. Yeah, thank you. Well, thanks for recognizing that and thank you for the acknowledgement. Uh, it really means a lot to us. Um, that's been a priority from the very beginning for us. Um, you know, let, let's go back 10 to 15 years, right? Because the second thing I was going to say, uh, the second, you know, um, uh, trend overarching trend, primary trend that I've seen is really the diversification of the people involved and the people contributing. Now, we're not where we need to be. Let me let me just say, say that, right? We, we, we haven't solved the issue. We haven't solved the problem. Um, but, you know, getting more, I, I, we, I and I certainly, speaking personally, have definitely seen a change. And, and to your point, we've made every effort to really facilitate that and to move that um, ahead as fast as we can. Um, it, you know, on the back end, so many different people, I mean, the world uses technology. We all use it. We all consume it. We all benefit from it. So it never really made sense to us, Tom, that, you know, so few people were contributing on the front end. So, you know, you've got like both sides of this, right? You've got the production and then you've got the consumption side. And if, you know, the world, a very diverse population is consuming technology on the consumption side, but then on the production side, you know, it's only a few select people. And that was certainly the case going back certainly 15, 20 years ago when I first got in, you know, to the industry, uh, but that, that has changed. So when we did events and hosted events, and you know, to me, that's one of the beauties about open source. It's one of the reasons we chose open source to really focus on it because, you know, the, the open nature of it, the, the collaborative nature of it allows for that. And, and so we've always focused on it. We've, we we want to see more people contribute on the contribution side and, and really get involved. So we've tried to use our events as a way to kind of, you know, widen the funnel for lack of a better way of, you know, describing it and bring more people in, in a very inclusive way to get them involved and kind of show them how open source works, you know, because there's still a process with open source, right? There's still, you know, if you're going to contribute to an open source project, even choosing an open source project, you know, there are a lot of them out there, you know, so even getting started, if you're a new um, potential contributor, if you're new to the industry, or maybe you've coming over from the proprietary side, and you've worked on the proprietary side, and you're new to open source, and you're saying, I want to get involved. Um, how do I do that? How do I even, where to even begin? There's still best practices. There are things that you need to know to even engage and on-ramp into the space. So that's something, again, that we've that that we've done. And we certainly structure content. First-time speakers are great for that because we want to hear from their perspectives, what they learned, what made it easy for them, what obstacles did they encounter, you know, uh, what might make it easier for them moving forward. Because in the end, with more people contributing and uh, you know, you know, more diversity on the contribution side. We think that it results in uh, richer, better, uh, just better tech, tech technology that we're all going to benefit from down the road. So I don't mean to sound cliche when saying that, but it, it, honestly, I, 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 we really believe that, and we've structured our events uh, to, you know, to that outcome or to ensure that outcome from the very beginning. Yeah, it's wonderful, and it, and over the years as I've attended, without question, you you see that the path that you've chosen, like you're actually moving that path. You, 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 it's reflected in the speakers and the audience and so on. For, for those who are curious to get involved, but maybe intimidated when they learn, yeah, a lot of these open source, you know, tools have been developed and platforms have been developed. Like 
they're, they're the underpinning of really, really big business, everything else. Like, you know, if I'm new and not maybe as confident as I should be in my abilities or whatnot, like, what would you tell that person? What would be your advice for them to, to get involved into the community? Well, so we hear this a lot, you know, it's sort of a little bit of uh, imposter syndrome, maybe like, oh my gosh, what, what could I possibly have to offer, right? There are so many smart people, um, you know, I would never be able to contribute value. So I may as well just not get involved, right? Why even bother? Um, please don't think that way, right? So at our conferences, we really bend over backwards to uh, convey that message. But, you know, I would, I would tell them to talk to other people. There are now, you know, um, networks that have been established of people that are open source contributors. There are, you know, groups that you can join. There are people that you can talk to. There are events that you can attend. I mean, I don't mean to sound self-serving, but if they attend an all things open event, they will meet a lot of other people that are in a very similar position, a similar situation. Uh, you know, uh, other people that are, you know, recent first time contributors, they can even attend a talk that, you know, from maybe a recent first-time contributor about their experience or how to contribute for the first time, et cetera. Uh, you know, also there are a lot of, um, uh, you know, resources out on the web now. You know, again, going back to 10 years ago, 10 to 15 years ago, there wasn't a lot of educational content available out there, right? I mean, YouTube was still really early on uh, and we've even, we even preceded YouTube in some ways. Um, and there, there just wasn't a lot available. Fast forward to today, there is a lot available. You know, if you want to contribute, you can go to YouTube or other resource platforms and you can find uh, videos, you can find interviews, you know, you can actually consume content of people in a similar situation that want to contribute and learn more about how they got started and things like that. So I think the good news is, is that there is a lot more out there and there are a lot more people these days that people can talk to than there used to be. Um, so, you know, I would, I would, definitely encourage people to do that and to get started. And, you know, also if someone wants to contact us, they can reach out to us directly and say, Hey, I'm a potential first time contributor. I would like to get started in this. Um, you know, what advice do you have? What are some best practices? Is there a talk that you could connect me to or point me to, or maybe a resource that you could, you know, point me to that might help me out or even someone that you could connect me to that I might actually talk to. Because, you know, Tom, that's one of the things that we do that a lot of people don't realize is that we connect dots. A lot of people reach out to us and just say, hey, I was at this event and I heard a speaker or I met someone or I've never been to one of your events, uh, but I would still like to know, might you make a connection? Do you know of someone that might have some information that could be beneficial to me? And we always try to make the uh, uh, connection. So we've connected a lot of people over, you know, the last 10 years, just dot connecting. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, let me change tracks a little bit because I'm I'm interested as you build out this open source community, and I've seen you start to dabble in uh, you know exploring open hardware, other open technologies, and things. Um, when I think about even our democracy, like that's the ultimate open source. Like we all vote, you know, in theory to collectively, you know, help build and drive a society. Like, where are you seeing these kind of like open principles and collaborative principles that have been learned from from this open source software community start to like move into other industries, into government, other places? Or are you are you seeing that mindset start to spread? Uh, you know, I do. You know, I think it might be um, 
sort of, um, you know, like if I'm buying a car and I buy a certain type of car, I begin to notice a lot of those types of cars are on the road. Whereas before I purchased the automobile, that particular type, I, I didn't notice all those same types of cars that were on the road. So I think because I'm in the space, it kind of maybe gives me a little different perspective, a little different approach, and I might be more apt to recognize this change in approach. So I'll just give you one example, and these are things that I'm hearing a lot. You know, science and research, um, especially with the onset of COVID, you know, a lot of um, data sets, just, just to give you an example, of uh, that are collected and that might in the past have been proprietary or not available to the public or not available for public consumption, uh, uh, research, you know, around those. I think a lot, there's now a pretty loud advocacy uh, and, and some pretty, you know, uh, uh, strong uh, um, advocation for opening those up uh, to the wider population and to making those more widely available. So that's one example that I see, and that's just recent be, because of COVID and things like that. I also see that happening in research in a university setting. A lot of, you know, research, a lot of, you know, is, is actually being opened up. And you know a lot of the data sets are, are being opened up. Um, this is, um, uh, you know, I, I believe I just I literally before this this uh, recording started I just heard this, but you know Elon Musk uh, with Twitter has agreed to open source Twitter's algorithm. So that was something that he said he would do if he acquired the company. And it, I don't know if it's true. Uh, I you know I don't know how well this is going to age. But, you know, this I might, you know, look bad uh, six months from now, having said this, but at least according to what I heard this morning, he he does seem to be following through on that. So, you know, in, in, in his opinion, based on what he stated, you know, an open algorithm, a transparent algorithm that people can see and kind of look, take a look at the source code is a better approach. It instills, you know, it allows it. it um, results in more credibility, more trust and all those things. So, you know, research. Uh, you know, medicine, science, for sure. And then just sort of, a, you know, kind of a topical technology example of just, again, the Twitter uh, algorithm. Those are just three examples, but I, I, I hear it a lot. I mean, I really see it a lot across the spectrum. I do think there's this trend toward transparency and trend toward openness. As we start to look forward to where these trends are going, where would you like to see this community and all things open, say in the next 10 years, where, where would you like, uh, you know, what accomplishments would you hope might be achievable? Mm, that's a really good question. Um, you know, I'd like to see uh, on the, again, I'll come back to the contribution side because the contribution side is so important to me. I would love to see more and more and more people continue, you know, really on ramping into the space via our events or in any way possible. It doesn't have to be through our event uh, or one of the events that we host. It could be in any by any means necessary. Just more people contributing, more people understanding technology, more people understanding how it works and the impact that it has on society. So, you know, um, we focus on open source. We focus, you know, we host the event in Raleigh and then we host other events around the country and things like that. But on the whole, I think this is an education play. This really is a play. We want more people involved to participate because having an educated you know, society, one that's engaged, one that's involved, I just think the more people you have engaged in the process, the better the result is gonna be. So I'd love to continue that trend. 
into the future. And I would love to see the events grow, but I'd really love to, uh, you know, grow the contribution side. Now, all that said, it's going to be interesting, right? It's going to be interesting, the role of AI, the role of artificial intelligence and the role, you know, uh, it's real. I, I think the next even five years, two years are going to be fascinating to watch, but certainly the next decade is going to be fascinating to watch. But I certainly hope that it content that trend continues towards transparency and openness continues. Uh, but it, it's going to be really interesting to see how all this plays out. Yeah, it it will be fascinating. The large language models are certainly the the kind of hot buzz topic right now. ChatGPT and the others, and uh, yeah, don't don't even know where we'll go on that. But uh, yeah, maybe we'll have you back uh, next year for another episode of this podcast, and uh, we can take a deep dive on that specifically. Um, are there any specific hurdles or barriers that you see in the near term? We are massive advocates of education, and I don't mean to be repetitive when I say this, um, but, you know, we want people to be as engaged as possible, uh, as curious as possible, and as proactive as possible. Um, now, you know, so creating those opportunities is, right, the opportunities have to exist for people to engage and things like that. So, you know, I I hope that uh, accessible, inviting, inclusive opportunities continue to be created and made available to the general public. Um, you know, uh, I mean, something that's something that we've always focused on and something that we've always tried to make available, right? I mean, you, you alluded to it earlier. Um, accessibility, that's something that we've kind of become known for and that we always will be known for. Um, you know, that's not always the case. Opportunities aren't always available. I think there are times, you know, people learn something and uh, or know something or have access to something and um, it's it's viewed as a competitive advantage, right? And, and maybe some barriers are put up and, you know, uh, and, and maybe access is not the, the first priority. Um, so, you know, we we still see that at times and 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 that's totally okay right uh, i mean proprietary stuff is cool and we totally support it and it has its place and open source has its place and transparency has its place and and you know collaboration does etc but I, I i guess um you know just hoping to see those those long term accessible opportunities to on ramp and to engage and participate hoping that that continues long into the future and not just with us, right? We hope other people adopt that approach uh, because in the end, we all benefit, society in general benefits. So, you know, obstacles, maybe just access, uh, on-ramp opportunities, really. Uh, now, again, I'm not saying that they don't exist, they do, but I just hope more of them do. And then the ones that currently exist, I hope those continue to, uh, you know, operate and continue to be available to people moving into the future for sure. Absolutely. Well, education is a lifelong journey. And so whether you're just getting started or whether you've been in the industry for many, many years, uh, I can say from experience, you will learn something at the All Things Open events, uh, the workshops, the conferences, et cetera. For anyone who's interested, whether to attend or to volunteer or to sponsor or otherwise get engaged, where can they find you? Uh, they can find us at allthingsopen.org, allthingsopen.org. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being on the program, Todd. I look forward to joining at Open Source 101, which is coming up uh, relatively soon, and then to your flagship event every October here in Raleigh. So 
Uh, look forward to, to seeing you in person soon, but thanks for joining us in the studio. Thanks for the opportunity, Tom. It's always great to talk to you. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Riot Underground Podcast. The Riot Underground Podcast is created and produced by Riot Studios with music by Scott Jackson. Riot is a nonprofit focused on economic development through the Internet of Things, or IoT, by capturing emerging markets, producing educational events and conferences, and accelerating startups, creating IoT opportunities locally, nationally, and globally. Learn how to engage by visiting us at riot.org or sending us an email at info at riot.org.